0: Welcome to the Deserve Straight Podcast, the podcast helping you develop forex training skills for more freedom. I'm your host, Itzin Kret. Let's get started right away. Welcome back, everyone. I'm sitting down today with Ray Barros in Hong Kong. Welcome, Ray. Well, uh, thank for welcoming me here. I appreciate it a lot.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome.
0: It's awesome. Thank you for having me. I have been here more than a year ago, I think, yeah. at your office with an interview together. We'll link that below if you guys want to check it out. But I'm back with Ray to talk about how to succeed and what people sometimes do that doesn't work. How can they fix it? I know you've had a lot of experience with that. And for people nothing new right now, tell people what you do, who you are, and just a bit of
1: background about yourself. Sure. Just very briefly, I was a private hedge fund manager, limited partnership from 1990 to 2010. I retired from that in 2010 and set up a school for traders, which is what I've been doing since. Yep. Fantastic. It's awesome.
0: And so you always told me the fact that last year you kind of took a break. You want to understand more how
1: traders succeed and what they have to do to succeed. Yeah, well, so my goal was to make a difference. You know, this horrible stats where 90% of newbies fail. And I've been running these seminars now for, since 2010. And what I found was students fell into three groups. You have the guys who would pay up and never do any work. You had the guys that would succeed no matter what because they always find a way of of making it work for them. But there were a group of people that put in the work but just wouldn't get the results they wanted, and that bothered me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I took a year off last year to try and find the solution. And like most teachers, your students teach you. I had four students that came up because I still did individual coaching, and we put these four students into a group. There's a guy called Joe. He's in Sydney but from China. Mm-hmm. We had a guy from Jody who's English but living in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> International. International group. Yeah. And they taught me that the problem is that you know that the method has to suit the personality. That, mm-hmm. That's what I've, I've learned through the years. And the problem mm-hmm. is those with the mechanically orientated methodology cannot take, or some, some, not all, some cannot take the series of consecutive losses that were within the system. Mm-hmm. So if your system says you're going to have 12 or 13 consecutive losses, they have three to five, and they start to lose their discipline. Then the discretionary rule-based trader, which leans on a model of how the market works, for example, Wyckoff market profile, which is where I come from, find it difficult to convert those ideas into rules. And even if they can, someone teaches them, they find the complexity so much that they can't apply the rules within the degree of discipline. Mm-hmm. Because the discretion becomes a lot of your experience comes from your experience. So I spent a year and these four students taught me that the best way around it is to create this four-phase framework, what I call the four-phase framework, which is really the Wyckoff model, but separated into four individual parts, each with its own simple rules. Each section has about five rules. So no question about being able to apply it. So we eliminated the consecutive or eliminated a lot of the consecutive losses. Of course, there's a drawback like anything else when the rules are so simple you're going to miss some moves Mm. but what we did find was that people didn't mind missing the moves they didn't mind missing a big move as long as they didn't have too many consecutive losses I think it's just human nature right yeah it
0: comes back to the fact that people would prefer to avoid the loss than to to have a gain.
1: yeah so that's why I took a year off and then we did uh, four beta tests: two with institutional traders, two with retail traders. Applied it for the first time in Bangkok. Just came back from Bangkok, and nice. I was happy as Larry. It was a really good session.
0: Awesome. I think one thing that could be a problem here for people that do this, like, so, so, I say people. Have a system, we teach them the system, they know the whole thing, the whole rules, but maybe they don't know the stats of the system. Mm. Do you give them the stats or is it something that they have to do on their own?
1: No, I prefer to. I have a set of stats that, that are back tested because I am mm-hmm. i have to tell you, I'm not a mechanical trader, I'm discretionary rule based. Mm-hmm. The problem I think with providing with some stats is the fact that if they don't adhere to the stats, especially if they're not getting what the stats say they should, they start getting really un- unhappy and they start to fiddle yeah. and. I think what I try and do with the stats is say, look, this is a guideline. Use it. I don't say that you, you will definitely get these results. Just have these as a guideline. Produce your own stats. Yeah. Because I think it's where the journal comes in. I, and another thing that I find difficult to get across, especially to the group of people that don't want to work, suddenly they think, oh my God, I've got to keep a set of journal. I've got an equity journal to keep. I've got a psych journal to keep. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. yeah. But it's so important. You know. You learn so much from the mistakes you're making. And you know, as I said to you last time I was here, I, you're here, I believe that traders have three phases. They're in ebb stage where everything they do is wrong. They're in flow stage where everything they do is right. And then you, you just go back to normal. You have your win, normal wins and losses. So when you're in ebb stage, like I've been in ebb stage since about the middle of January, hopefully break out now, but we won't know for sure until the end of the month. But when you're in ebb stage, you need to look back to your journals and see, okay, do I start reducing my exposure? What am mm-hmm. I, what trades are not working for me that used to really work they are not working now? And what I found, for example, in my case, that I've got to reduce the time frame because there's just no, I trade the currencies maybe at the moment. There's no follow through. You know, you get a big euro dollar. Yeah. We had the movement up when the non-farm payrolls came out. Wow, you looked at that look. Like it's going to the moon, right? Next day, oh, all the way down again. Oh, it's going to crash back up again.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also pretty tight, in a pretty tight range right now. Yeah, well, it's, it's
1: not, I mean, you can. I mean, it's going from, I can't remember the numbers, but in terms of pips, you're talking five, 600 pips yeah. right? in terms yeah. of the range. You, yeah. know, you can, can still make money out of it, provided you don't hold it for three and four days, mm-hmm. you know? So, I started taking the trades today and cutting them tomorrow. Yeah. And then, Hopefully, we'll have broken that ebb situation when markets will mm. eventually get back to normal. I hope. Maybe when the British parliamentarians decide, they know what they want to do with Britain. They're like little kids. Yeah. But, you know, look at the U.S. at the moment. That Trump thing uh, yeah. with Mueller. You know, Mueller was very clear. He said definitely no collusion. However, there could be obstruction, but we're not exonerating him. You guys have to make up your own mind. And, of course, Trump comes out and says, I'm totally exonerated. The Democrats say he's still guilty. (laughs) They don't look at facts anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's what happens with traders when they don't keep a journal. You know, they don't know, okay, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? What do I need to change? And that, whether you're a mechanical trader or a discretionary trader, because as a mechanical trader, you have to ask yourself that question. Okay, is the set of stats coming out or the, the losses coming out such that it's normal losses, so I just keep executing the system. Or have the assumptions changed so the system's no longer operating. Yeah. You know? So to me, keeping a journal is absolutely essential.
0: I think a journal is something that kind of looks big from the side when you look at it and like you didn't do it before. Mm-hmm. For me, I kind of pushed back doing a journal for years before I started to do one. Okay. And then when I did one, I saw like the effect of it and how I could kind of use the lessons I got. Become better and kind of
2: improve, mm-hmm.
1: and that's where I kind of started to do it, and never stop after. Really, it doesn't take honestly, and un- unless you're you're doing three or four hundred trades a day, that might be a bit more difficult. I've got some students who, yeah, you know. But most of us are working, you know, and so we might do what two trades a week, or even if we're day trading, two or three trades a day. Mm-hmm. It takes you what twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. You don't do it because. You don't want to go through the pain again. If you've been having a losing run, you don't want to go through pain. It's about being really
0: honest with yourself. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's hard.
1: That's that's hard. That's really hard. Especially if you're screwed up, you know. (laughs) I should have done it again. Yeah. Yeah, I read a really interesting book called Daring Greatly. Uh, Uh I forgot the author's name. But one of the things she says there, I think, applies to traders. There are three major psychological issues when it comes to dealing with uncertainty. I'm not good enough. In the moment you feel you're not good enough, you need someone to blame, usually yourself. And that blame then turns to a bit of shame. So you start avoiding it, and you start making excuses. And when I'm teaching, I thought, yes, that's true. I I see that pattern all the time. Because you know you should follow the rules. With benefit of hindsight, you always know what you should have done. Mm -hmm. And when you don't do it, you start to blame yourself, and then get some shame, and then say, okay, let's find another set of rules. Let's find another system. So, I thought that was very interesting. That's right. So, what does your journal look like exactly? What do you put in it? Well, the journal to me, there are two parts, right? You've got your equity journal, and I think you know Moritz, right? Yeah. Moritz, Edgewalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Edgwong. it's a fabulous piece of uh, okay. equity software. What I like most about Edgewalk, especially for the newbies, is the fact that it can quantify some of the psychological, what I call the mm. soft issues. It allows you to quantify some, not sure. Also, very good as a spreadsheet. So, you've got that kind of journal. The only thing, that I would like to see more of which might be difficult in edgewong is that it's very limited in terms of the qualitative stuff. Yeah. What you can comments are very limited that you can put in. So you need a psych journal, which is your I use Evernote because of the search functions and Evernote mm-hmm. even the free version. So a combination of those two things provide my one journal, equity and psych. And you know, for your readers what I would suggest to to help with the improvement is you do maybe six or seven trades see what you did right, see what you did wrong, and then say, okay, this is the things I didn't do that I would like to have done, I should have done correctly. Make some action to change it, keep a record of what you did, see whether or not it worked, and then change it again if you have to. So if you keep doing that six or seven trades, especially for beginners, you have to improve. And that, Mm -hmm. to me, is what goes in the journal. So in the journal, your equity journal, of course, just your And your entry, your pattern, your setups, et cetera. And then your your psych journal is just any qualitative event that might have impacted your trading. I think I mentioned this to you last time. We had a student who kept a psych journal very, and he was hired by Prop House. And they wanted him to smooth out his equity curve because he was a very good trader sometimes, and sometimes he was just abominable. And they couldn't understand why, and they are about to let him go. And they said, see if you can help this guy. And then we looked through his journal and so on. And what we found was every time he had a fight with his wife, do you think he had a profitable run or a losing run?
2: Yeah, a losing run. Losing run. Wrong. Wrong. Oh, yeah? A profitable run. Wow, okay.
1: Who 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 would have thought? And the reason was he was going to show his wife. I'm going to show you that that I'm a really good trader. So he was really disciplined after a fight with his wife. Okay. So we then worked out a way to get the discipline in without having a fight with his wife.
0: <laughs> so that's interesting. So how would you do that? How would you achieve that discipline of how do you getting you, the result without having a fight?
1: Well, you, you need to see what he was looking for. Because he uh-huh. in, in, when he fought his wife, he had to show his wife he was going to be good. So we said to him, okay, what circumstances can you think of without having to fight with your wife to show her that you're good? And yeah. there were a couple of things he came up. he came up with. I didn't come up with it and I won't disclose it because it's personal to him, but uh-huh. he uh, came up with a couple of things that would lead him to show his wife. His wife was happier, the boss was happier, and he was happier. <laughs> so awesome. it worked out. And that's only because of the journal. Because, yeah. you know, it's such counterintuitive, right? Everybody says, oh, he had to fight his wife, and he had to have bad results, right? And it right. Was totally the other way around. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So so what I found for me is that kind of a free-flow writing of, of whatever I think about then can be helpful, like, some people prefer maybe more structure, more questions they ask themselves all the time in their journal. But I don't know. Do you prefer to just write whatever you think about, or I, I think
1: that would depend on your character, on, yeah, on your okay. personality. But whatever you do, however you start off the journal, you need to, I think, coalesce it into a learning experience. So if you're free flowing, mm-hmm. after the free flow, look at it and say, okay, what have I learned from this? What have I learned from this free flow? And then that has to be a little bit structured. Some people are already structured, right? So, then, yeah, but you must always have at the end of your entry what did I learn from this? Even if you said I learned nothing from this, at least you've given it some thought. Yeah, I think that's what's key. It's like journal
0: and that practice helps you become better with it. Yeah, so even absolutely. if it's not this trade, it's gonna be the next one. Exactly, it's perfect. Exactly. I think that helps you really well when you manage 24 other people, also to find out where you screw up and where you can get better. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because at the end of the day, one of the first things I learned if you're trading for other people. If you have a very bad loss, you get on the phone. Yeah. And you tell them I had a really bad loss and they'll eventually ask they'll ask you why. And if you can say this is the reason and this is what I'm going to do to fix it, it huh. goes down really well.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. How do you find a solution to kind of fix a mistake? Is
1: it only yourself or are you talking to someone outside, perhaps? Well, I I believe in groups. I've been in a group now I've been in the markets since sixty, so probably about nineteen, about 2000, I think, we formed a group, this, this group of four, myself and four others. We're spread out in the UK, Australia, and the US. And we meet at least once a week. And I find that they're very helpful. They keep you honest. You've got to be honest. First yeah. off, if you're not yeah, going to be honest, yeah. you know, forget about it. Yeah. But they, they, they do keep you honest. And the good thing about the group, if you're in a group, it's important that they're not overcritical, that they're supportive. Yeah. They don't let you get away with things. But they don't run you down because they, their ego is annoying, Of course. You know? yeah, yeah. So you get a group like that. I'm very lucky with these four guys. You stick to them and they will really help. I think uh-huh. working with a group, especially if you are a, a retail trader, see that, that's what the banks have over retail traders. They have groups. They, they have supports, if mm-hmm. I can put it that way, especially in prop houses. We don't have that as retail traders. So you have to form your own support group. I think this is important. How did you find that group? Uh, well, that's very hard. I yeah. mean, I'm lucky because I teach not only retail, but institutional. Yes. Either this group of four, three are institutional traders, one's retail. Um, retail. You look for them and you encounter them. So, yeah. like, for example, you know, Moritz, that certainly, you know, if you, your personality jives with his, I would certainly include him yeah. in the group. He's a smart boy.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. That's what I found for me is to create my own group and kind of reach out to people and stuff.
1: But I I feel people have a hard time with this most of the time it's kind I of I think fun people, people are afraid I think more than anything else people are afraid to reach out yeah. and then also the discipline of meeting once a week is yeah, difficult yeah, yeah. and that's not easy especially if you've had a losing run because you yeah. you've, you've got the pain of losing now you've got to admit to the group you've lost yeah. especially if you've lost because you haven't kept your rules Yeah. and that comes to you that,
2: that helps yeah. you
1: I think so if you're going to form a group most of us will go to seminars we, we learn it through or we, we go into chat rooms or whatever. That's where I would start. Yeah. I would reach out. But I feel like the, the problem with
0: people also is the fact that they might go with lower people, like people that are just beginners when they are
1: starting to become better traders, instead of going up to like better yeah. people that to learn from That's true. Them. That's true. And you need to be willing to find people who are willing to mentor. But, you know, through the years that I've been, I've been in this game now since the 60s, I found that people nowadays are more willing than when I first started. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think okay. maybe the technology is better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you don't have to meet in person. You, you don't, don't meet have on to the meet phone in person. Or Skype. Yeah. Exactly. So I think if you reach out, if you can just overcome that reluctance. It's like seeing a a pretty girl in a in a bar and you want to say hello to her <laughs> and you think, oh shit, what if she says no, right? Yeah. It's the same with this. It's it's you're afraid that they'll say no. Well, so if they say no, so what? Yeah, yeah that's and right. the other fear that I I see quite predominant is the point you raise is that they find that they've formed a, entered a group with some people within these some of the people don't get along with them maybe personality or whatever. Mm. just back off you know, yeah. just find another uh, that's fine know. yeah you can always adjust and, exactly yeah, of course you, you know you find a group of people that meet suit your personality and suit your trading style and try and keep them for life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why this these four guys that I mentioned to you that helped me identify this four phase framework, they've now formed a group. I think they'll do very well. I hope they keep it up. Mm-hmm. In in general, I'm curious to know, so what is that four phase framework like? Four phase framework? Well it's be really just the Wyckoff approach. If we Wyckoff starts with an accumulation distribution, so we'll mm-hmm. put that to one side. After the breakout, there's what he calls a markup phase, trending phase, right? So, for me, that is the first phase. That's the first phase framework. You've got rules dealing with directional moves. These are moves where the market moves in one direction. There's no pullback, and you have to f- form a set of rules to trade them. Now, the one thing you can say is that most people don't trade this. I call that the IPM, the initial price movement. I took that from market profile, which is exactly mm-hmm. the same model. And the thing with that, most people don't trade that well because what happens is, Let's say they buy somewhere near the lows, and they see the market go all the way up to whatever target they reach, and it gets there. They do one trade. That's it, and they think, oh, how clever I am. But really, what Pete taught me, Pete Stetelmeyer, he says, that's the phase where you need to be aggressive and accumulate your positions. You know, so instead of doing one, maybe you should be doing five or ten. Yeah. And the whole idea is to accumulate so that when you accumulate, you no longer have a risk on the open position that you mm-hmm. have to start off with. That's, that's, the, that's what I teach the students. Okay. So that's your d- in IPM phase. The next phase is what Peter called the pause phase, which is a correction, if you will, within the, the strong directional move. You get the strong directional move, then it pauses. And there's a guy called Galen Woods came up with this idea of three-bar congestion, which I found useful. I adapted it to my own... Sli- I d- adapted his idea, mm-hmm. and I found that that really works as a strong continuation with a low risk, high probability of success. Those two, I think, are very easy phases. Then we get to the more difficult phase, or if the market's been moving up, you get into a distribution phase where you then have to question is the market likely to break out, continue on to the upside, or is it likely to change its trend? And we need to, here I relied mainly on market profile okay. methodology. To identify that's a third phase, which is breakout continuation, and then breakout change in trend. Breakout mm-hmm. change in trend was mainly the Wyckoff patterns. So okay. I combine my market profile and Wyckoff and, and set up. As I said, each phase has only got five rules, and you're either there or you're not. You know, it's 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 simple. But what it does do is does two things. It eliminates some of those trades which discretionary traders got. Well, maybe it might do this, and maybe it might do that. In in this case, you're either in this phase or you're not. That's one. And secondly, it has what I call soft stops. So, for example, if you take a three-bar congestion breakout and the market comes back into congestion, you immediately exit mm-hmm. without your stop being triggered. Okay. The soft stop. Okay. The market comes back, closes within congestion after breakout. You're immediately out of the trade. Now, remember, there's a very narrow band of congestion. That's why Galen calls it a three-bar three, uh, three congestion. Mm-hmm. So it's not, not not huge trading ranges, right? So. You find that when I'm having an ebb phase, for example, instead of losing, if your daily range is 80 pips, instead of losing 80 pips, you're losing 20 or 30. Yeah. It makes a big difference. That's awesome. Look like, at yeah. new losses. It's good. So you, you keep your losses like in this ebb phase that I had, and I'm, I am trading this myself. So just to give you an idea, 16 losses for the um, month of February, we had a 1.62% loss mm-hmm. after 16 losses. Yeah and four, three, four wins. So, you know, you're never gonna get that if you just rely on your, your hard stops. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is a very important part of the system. And as I said, the other part is that it does eliminate a lot of the problems that discretionary traders have, too it becomes a bit too complex. There's a very clear, you take the trade, the setup's either there or it isn't. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. ifs and buts. The drawback is that there we might miss a couple of new sets.
0: Interesting. So the other thing people might do also for reducing their losses is moving your stop to break even. But I think that's, yeah. that your way better because you have a rule. Like if it goes there, it's likely not to work.
1: Yeah, the problem with, and you know, you're managing a trade. The question as Pete always taught me was, when do you make your, move your stop to break mm-hmm. even? If you move it too early, you're not and giving the market. That's the, that, yeah, that's the yeah. hard part. Yeah. So one thing I could never do with Pete always, that's where my soft stops came in. Pete never used hard stops, never put stop in the market. Mm-hmm. It was always based on what the market was doing and whether or not it was doing what he thought it should do if the trade was good. And that's all right for Pete, but you know. <laughs> you can-
0: <laughs> that's a tough one. That's for, a very
1: for, for tough you know, one. Yeah, so I, I have a hard stop the, beyond which the market gets, if the market gets there, I'm out of the trade no matter what. And when you're having an ebb stage, invariably the market—if you don't get out early enough—the market will hit the stop and then go your way. I mean, that's that's the way the ebb stage works, right? But I'm not prepared to. I've I've seen Peter sit through some horrendous and he'd sit there and look at this and that. This is going to come back, and yeah, okay. In my memory, it did come back, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have sat through that. I yeah, you know, yeah. Just, yeah. You know, the, the thought of oh my God, look at it. Oh, it's going. It's losing. It's going I'm gonna get wiped out. Mm-hmm it takes a lot of courage and uh, how would I put it, fortitude. Also, I've got to say something with Pete, when the market, no matter how much the loss was, when he decided he was wrong and that the market was not doing what he wanted, he would cut it. Mm -hmm. So I I decided to have soft stops and hard stops and I I felt that that works for me. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, how does it work when you tell someone who's really discretionary to use that framework? Do they kind of repel it and not want to use it?
1: Surprisingly, it hasn't been the case. This is what's happened to Bangkok, uh, not so much in I got some idea because I sent a survey to these mm-hmm. people, so I had some idea where they're. But the, the students that, what I call the, the um, beta test students, I knew because I'd sent them to a psychological test We can, we can can and had some idea where the, their leanings were. Okay. I had two fears. The rule-based trader would not like the discretionary elements because there are some discretionary elements. Mm-hmm. And the discretionary trader would not like the, the cage that they were
2: kept in. Yeah
1: didn't happen that way. It was okay. actually, there was enough in it for both, at least as far as these groups are concerned. That's why I say when we do the seminar and we do 40, 50 people, mm-hmm. we'll know more. But at this stage, because we did a group of four, about 16, about 30 people in total, four groups, we had about 40 okay. group, And um, so far, the discretionary rule and the um, mechanical traders had enough in it to be able to manage this thing w- without freaking out okay yeah, interesting this is
0: also how I reacted when I first heard the principle so I got this from Stan Winston mm-hmm. first yeah. which is a similar thing but I think here's just more detailed and for me I didn't look at that before at all so I was only looking at indicators and, and cross-action a little bit count six. Okay. but when I included that I felt just better and I felt more in control of the whole thing which I think is what most people are going to face with that framework mm. they, they kind of lack a part that they see they lack and then they use it and they feel better
1: yes exactly
0: so that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Are there any mistakes people tend to make with that
1: framework? Anything you've seen common? Common? um, I haven't done enough mm-hmm. at this stage to see a particular pattern. The only thing I would suggest is that there is a fear of adding to positions. Yeah. That, to me, if if there is a common element among the 30-odd the test, that would be the common. There's a fear of adding to the position because... They've never been taught that. They've never been mm-hmm. said, okay, if I add to my position now, okay, I can't lose on the trade, but then I'm going to give back all my profit.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm.
1: But the other side of it is that if you've got a directional move and that directional move, well, look at the stock index, your stock index since at bottom. That's what we call a directional move. Yeah. It's, it's starting to – now we're starting to get pullbacks, which I would say I would call a pause phase, but this has been exceptionally strong upward move not in terms of momentum but in terms of grind, grinding mm-hmm. up if you put a one period swing on a weekly chart you haven't had one single
2: pullback so that's massive yeah imagine buying the low and say okay getting out yesterday mm-hmm. right, and say, well, the day before in the market tank
1: you've got your entry and you've got your exit and let's say you're trading one contract that's yeah. one contract yeah when you could have pyramided all the way up yeah with benefit of hindsight you look back and say oh yeah I should have right with benefit <laughs> of hindsight but what people are afraid of, they'll remember the times that they added and it didn't work out. Right, then, right. That, right. That, that I think is probably going to be the most difficult part.
0: That's something I feel also myself because I never really added to a trade. I only take a trade and that's it. Mm-hmm. And my strategy doesn't really lead do well for that, but I could still implement it some way for sure. So how would that work for someone starting out with this? Would they add when their stop losses to break even? Or would they? Or, or I well, mean, would they, would they make sure they don't have any loss
1: first? The, the rule the rules, first you got to make sure, you got a couple things. The way the work is, you, you identify the tra- you identify the time frame you're trading, mm-hmm. then you identify the trend of that time frame, and then you go to your four phase framework, and then you say to yourself, okay, I'm in an uptrend, the directional move, I'm in a directional phase. So then you enter the trade. When the market moves a certain distance, you can do one of two ways of, of, of making sure you don't have loss in the trade. You can have what I call the rule of three, where you exit the first third the moment the market has twice your stop. You leave mm-hmm. your stop at the original location, and then you exit one-third, leaving two-thirds okay. to, to run. The other way is to bring the whole thing to break even after the market has done a certain, we show you mm-hmm. how to do that. Get this, uh, a, The problem with there is that if the market, it doesn't work out for you, then the market will, how would I put it, you won't make any money out of the trade after being probably in, in good profit, yes, if yes. I can put it that way. I actually prefer the rule of three. Okay. Because what I tend to do is that I will exit the first third and then as soon as I can, I bring the stock to break even. So, I can add to my position. I treat each position separately. So I exit the first third. I can now add another position. When I can exit the second position, first third, I'll bring the stop to break even on the first set of positions. Okay. And slowly accumulate it that way. Uh-huh. If you uh, if you get a move like you did in the stock indices, and yeah. you do it that way. You're picking up dollars all the time.
0: Even in in some currency pairs that have been trading for a long yeah. time.
1: Yeah, it'll yeah. be. Present.
0: Yeah. do you have a limit of, of orders you can take on a specific yeah, we,
1: we have a portfolio risk in the, in the okay. risk management and this is a function of initially it's a stats because oh, we don't have we don't know what they're trading but it's a function of the return on capital per annum and the probability of consecutive loss and how much you're prepared to give back, that's a personality Okay. so for example if your return on capital for argument's sake is 20% and your probability of consecutive loss is five, and you're risking 2% of trade. So you prepared to give back 50%? Mm-hmm. If you say no, I'm not, then you've got to reduce the amount of dollars that you risk. So if you are risking 1% per trade, and you've got six open positions, and you can lose all of that, lose on all of us, you're going to give 6% of 20% that you're making. Are you happy to do that? Mm-hmm. So we do it that way too.
2: Okay.
0: So it's also about, like we talked about before, understanding yourself and what you're likely to do yeah. and where you're likely to fall short. Exactly. Which you get from journaling also.
1: Yeah, exactly. So interesting thing with trading is that it's not just what's out there, so it's not the system or the markets, it's you. Yeah. It's, Pete used to have a, a comment. He used to say, market understanding multiplied by you, that's your personality, yeah. equals success. And I couldn't agree with it more. So many people tend to have this idea, for example, all I need is a mechanical system, and I'm going to make, make my capital return. And forget the you element. And mm-hmm. you can't do that because you will always sabotage yourself if your methodology and your rules of uh, risk management and your money management rules do not accommodate the way you feel and the way you, be, you believe the mm-hmm. world.
0: What's your experience now? How would you go about it for someone t- starting out to understand themselves?
1: Oh, that's a hard question. The easiest way to go about that is to first get a methodology Mm -hmm. and then start applying it and then get a coach to help you. See where you fall short. See see where you fall short. Because, you know, one of the things that I did, I don't think I ever told anyone this is the first time, but first for your listeners, I I actually spent about 10 years with, um, because when I first started trading, I I couldn't make any money. Mm. It took me over 10 years. In that period, I actually went and saw a psychiatrist with the idea of saying, okay, I understood that you needed to understand yourself. And I said, well, I'm obviously doing something wrong. And Dr. George Leal, was his name, he was very helpful. I actually learned a lot of myself about myself through him. No, I'm not suggesting everybody should do that, but that's mm-hmm. the path that I took. Okay. You need to be two things. I think you need to be committed to your own success, and you need to be honest. So if you journal, a lot of the self-awareness will come. Yeah. There's a thing we met, I mentioned this to you last time. ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. I would certainly learn something about that, pick up the happiness trap, and learn how people develop insights, if you will. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, with the ACT, there's the right brain, left brain, which is your goal setting and so on. But the right brain deals with mindfulness and deals with acceptance and diffusion, those concepts which treat thoughts not as reality but as something we are having how you interpret the meaning of those thoughts it tells you a lot about yourself so if you can catch yourself thinking about it and journaling it and say okay market's going down i interpret that i'm going to lose a bundle or mm. i'm interpreting that that i'm going to be able to withstand the loss and no matter what but it tells you what you're thinking tells you yeah. about insights of your character And that, that I think, would be important.
0: And this is amazing because most people only kind of have the thought and then act. That's it. That's the only thing they have. While if you just take an effort to have the thought, think about it, write about it, maybe act after or take the right decision after, that's a huge step you're taking. Absolutely.
1: And that's, I think, the genius or the biggest contribution that ACT has. You can have the feeling, but you don't have to act on it. Don't push the feeling away because it's going to sabotage you. Accept the feeling for what it is, but you don't have to act on it. In fact, understand what the feeling is and you learn a lot about yourself. So to me, ACT has been very useful.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I think it was Andrew Menneker that proposed this idea of like writing down what you want to do or what you did and then why Mm. also. Mm. Yeah, the why. why You're right.
1: The why is really critical.
0: Uh Powerful. Anything you want to tell people that we didn't cover so far? Anything that, any lessons maybe you got the past year or so that you want to pass on to people?
1: Oh, I I think the best thing to say is that we never stop learning. Yeah, you know, I've been in the market since '60s. My first trade was early '60s. That's fifty years now. I learned something last year, for goodness sake! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never stop learning, and you you can't stop learning anyway because it's a zero sum game. And the people that you're at the end of the day, the people who are competing with you. Are, are your the people who are making money? They're always improving. They're not sitting back on their mm-hmm. world. No. So I would suggest that you adopt a mindset of constant and never ending improvement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic. I want
0: to have you back and I want to share your lessons with people. So we'll do a webinar together, sure. a special event for you guys. We'll put the link below for that. It should be in a few days when you see this live or in a few weeks. We'll, we'll set out the date later. But uh, that's awesome. So where can people find you if they want to connect with
1: you, Ray? www.tradingsuccess.com. And Ramon Barros at trading success.com. Just drop me a line.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. I Thank appreciate you.
1: it.
0: Appreciate and it. we'll catch you guys pretty soon in the webinar with uh, Ray. Catch you guys. Awesome.